Tyler's in a good mood today. Somebody must have made a little money on their... Uh, <laughs> yeah. How do you think the Orioles feel today? Huh? How do you think the Orioles feel after Baker kept throwing those fastballs up? How, how do you think... I ever once in a while... Don't be afraid to flip one up. You know, if maybe d- bounce it. If, if, Try that on for size. If, if dude had caught that ball. Oh, yeah. If dude had caught that yeah. ball, I would have won my bet. <laughs> but he didn't. Wow. And he didn't. You see, I mean, that's why gambling and sports, guys guys could potentially, you know, they could potentially do things like that. That's why the Yankees got rid of that guy because he can't catch a ball in the outfield. Wow. That should have been an error. <laughs> that should have been an error. That's a triple. Yeah. That's off my couch. Yeah, I bet you were. Yeah. And then Bafo uh, text me. Our Cha-ching. producer. Our producer. <laughs> yeah. Cha-ching. Yes. Uh, it's Blair and Barker for Tuesday. Yeah. If you want to win some money, listen to me. Shut up. <laughs> the good news is we'll have baseball to talk about. Oh, boy. We won't have to rag the puck like we did yesterday. Uh, the Jays and uh, Padres. We're pretty are- good at that. The Jays and Padres are opening. I've done so many shows in this station. You wouldn't believe the stuff that I've had to rag the puck for. <laughs> missed callers, missed guests, missed co-hosts. Anyhow. I'm always here, Jeff. Uh, three-game series starts tonight. Alec Manoa against Joe Musgrove. A reminder, Thursday's game is 107. Chris Bassett against Blake Snell. Some news. Oh. Some news. Some news Good to get uh, get you caught up. Kevin Gossman will be throwing a side session tomorrow, at which point a decision will be made on his next start. Jordan Romano, who was not used this weekend, this past weekend, after coming out of the All-Star game with a sore lower back, threw off the mound yesterday and, quote, the Jays anticipate him being ready to go. <clears throat> Pardon me. Hyunjin Ryu will start Friday at Buffalo. The Jays are aiming for five to six innings pitched or 80 pitches. And if he gets that, it's a pretty good chance that you're going to see Hyunjin Ryu make the start after that for the Blue Jays. And Chad Green, this is maybe the big news of the day. Chad Green will make his first game post-Tommy John, will make his first appearance set for Saturday in Dunedin. And, of course, this is the trade deadline. Gets closer and closer. Oh, and by the way, Arelvis Martinez, the Jays' top mm. position player prospect, he was promoted to AAA yeah. yesterday. Um, and a lot of people on, of course, immediately on Twitter said, oh, the Jays are showcasing him for a trade. Hit 220. Well, not only that, trust me. It, trust me. If there is a major mm. league organization out there that's dying to trade for Arelvis Martinez, They've yeah. already done there. There, it ain't, AAA, ain't, AAA, who ain't, cares? Ain't, yeah, ain't anything you're going to see in the yeah, next six yeah. days that's going to decide he has whether lots or not of power, you want. For sure, he does have a lot he of does. power. And it, uh, yeah, at some point, you got to see what these guys can do. Anyhow, mm. Aurelis Martinez is promoted to AAA. I guess the focus tonight, Kevin, is Alec Manoa making his second start back since his uh, demotion to the minors. Danny Jansen will be behind the plate catching him again tonight, as he was uh, in his first game back. Yo, you made an interesting point, so interesting that I'm going to refer to it uh, in his last start, which was his first start since coming off the, uh, since coming off the, well, I mean, he was in a rehab assignment. I mean, whatever, he was down. That's not what it's called. No, he got sent down because he wasn't pitching good. You made a, you made a point though about, um, he had eight called strikes and obviously you, you need more of that. Yep. But he also, 19 of 23 first pitch strikes in that outing. It's a big deal. 80, 
roughly 80, 82, 83%, which is the highest of his career. That was probably the biggest, uh, for me, that and the fact that, I mean, I'm not going to judge his velo yet, but I like the first pitch strikes. That indicated to me that he was being aggressive. That indicated, that's that's what I need to see. Step one to me is can you get ahead of guys? Now, he had a difficult time putting guys away. He's still going to need the slider to put guys away. That's the shape on the slider. It's not real good. My question is, Seeing the lineup, San Diego's running out tonight. Four, four lefties. Kim, Tatis Jr., Soto, Machado, Bogarts, Cronenworth, Sanchez, Carpenter, and Grisham. Compare that to the lineup he saw from the Tigers. McKinstry, Torkelson, Viraling, Carpenter, Baez, Badu, Cabrera, Ibanez, and Rogers. It's so not, what is night he gonna, day. What does he have to do throw, tonight? Throw and strike one is a big deal. Uh, you know, the, the speed down the slope, they, they continue to say that. And... and how square his shoulders are to his target <laughs> when his conditioning was not where it should I say supposed to be yeah. or where they wanted it to be where they want it. How about that? How about that's, that's the best, that's, that's the, the best, best way, way to say it. it. Yeah. It's, it was, he was in a hurry, right? To get it spin out of it. Ball went everywhere. That's why you mentioned the 19 to 23 or whatever you just said. There is a huge deal that allows him to get away with, some bad cement mixing sliders that just don't break that are non-competitive, right? You throw strike one. Now, all of a sudden, you're getting negative swings mm-hmm. that are guys who are trying to let it travel, hit the ball the other way instead of trying to go back like City to the pull side. That's the big difference just in a 0-1 or a 1-0 now, right? It's because it's not a hard thrower. And for whatever reason, the deception that he had last year a little bit, the year before that is, for whatever reason, not there. And that has a lot to do with the square shoulders, finishing a little bit better, having the better finish where he can break that off, where it's a competitive take mm-hmm. instead of a non-competitive take. That's a big deal, right? He's a big dude. They're never going to get away from that. That's why you see a lot of the falling off to the first base side. They just want it a little less falling off to the first base side. That way he can finish it a little bit more. You the, talk the a lot about arm side, is, fastball command to the, to the, to the arm in, side. Into righties, into righties, away to a, uh, to a lefty, right up and away with the four-seamer. He can control the four-seamer a little bit better. I would assume you're seeing a, a few more of those instead of the, stu- the two-seamers. He did throw on Friday a 70-pitch side, which I know you love to hear that. But the 10- Side young. Well, the ten days between starts the big deal. Right? Yeah, it is. It so is. you need you need. I mean, to all throw, kidding aside, you yes, to you do. Throw a lot of pitches. He did. He had seventy pitches on the side on Friday, which is that's what they're trying to get him to do. Be a little quicker down the mound, where when the front foot hits the ground, everything is finishing towards the target. That's a big deal, right? The gather when he lifts his leg. When he starts down the mound, the good separation, how quickly he gets it out of the glove, how quickly he gets it above his head to where he can break it off. It looks the same because it's coming out the same slot consistently. He can do those things, throw strike one, you know, have better shape, not elite shape. I'm not sure we're going to see that this year. That'll take a little bit more time, the better conditioning he gets in, right? Just, you know, the mechanics will get better because the conditioning is better. Those two things go hand in hand. They really believe that. So he can continue to get better with that. There's only four lefties, which I think is a big deal. If he can establish a little bit into some good right-handed hitters with the four-seamer, maybe, you know, start throwing some more two-seamers, having those competitive where they're not non-competitive. He's, you know, throwing a bunch of pitches 
to a batter in an inning. That's why they're they're telling you the, how big the strike one is and being efficient. You, you want action in three pitches like that. If he has that, he'll give him a chance to have the big inning, which is exactly what they're asking from him. They're not asking him to go seven innings. I mean, it's, it's just not realistic. If they get it, that's a great thing. If they don't, you know, get, give them five competitive innings where he's not giving up four or five runs. They'll take that, give this lineup a chance to have the big inning, and because they're playing well, because they're playing well at home, because they're playing good defense, because some of the guys are stepping up when it matters the most, they'll have a good chance of winning the series. Bigger disappointment to you, the New York Mets or the San Diego Padres? Can I say both? No. I would say the Mets, just because they they spent more money than anybody in the history look of at baseball. This, look at I'm this, gonna say that. Look at look at this lineup. Yeah, money talks though. What did, they didn't well, spend a fair the amount Padres of money. didn't spend Mets money. They didn't. I mean they you, you can say they didn't. I mean the, the you're exactly right. And the what are they, three and twelve in their last fifteen road games? Like it's not for whatever reason, whatever they're saying is not translating between the lines and you know the the big guys are hitting homers. Yeah. Bautista's hitting homers. They're getting this. Soto's the pitching, hitting homers. Man, Machado's hitting homers. Yeah, I mean the they're getting. Pitching they, is... Yeah, they got forty two quality starts or yeah. forty three quality starts. Let's that's really good. The Blue Jays got forty five. Right, I was going to say that's so only rotation, three behind the Blue Jays. Yeah. It's top five. <clears throat> top five. So in, their in rotation's good. Maybe it's their bullpen, and sometimes you just get in a habit of losing, and you can't get out of it. And I'm with you. You've been saying this for a little while. Maybe they need a shakeup. Maybe oh, they, they need, need to say we're trading this guy just because we've had enough of losing. Yeah. Man. I mean, I, I don't think this organization's ever really recovered from the situation with Tatis Jr. Um, although, you know, he's certainly he's certainly not he hasn't been the worst player they've had. And they and I I mean, I have to admit, when they went out and signed Xander Bogarts, I I thought, okay, this but I mean, they're still, you know, the, look the Dodgers. I mean, the Dodgers lose a pitcher every day, it seems. Yeah, and they're, I mean, they're not a threat to the Dodgers. I do think winning's a habit. You've, you've watched well, that, enough baseball. I do yeah. think that you need to show up. I, I think, you show up at the yard and you expect to win. You know, I think there 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 comes a point when you have a team that has an awful lot of talent. Yep, alpha males. You have to win. You know, the Dodgers no are an example of that. The Dodgers are one of the best teams in baseball long before they won their World Series. Sure. Right? Yeah. They spent a lot of money. I mean, they had the farm system. They I, they were one of the Cadillac franchises. Um, But they had to... Winning didn't necessarily come easy. It's not coming easy for the Mets. It hasn't come easy for the Yankees recently. But, I, you know, I listen, I thought this based on the fact that this team did go to the playoffs last year, I thought, okay, adding Bogarts is a nice add. I, I just, I'm surprised. And and they've got a guy, and I know we can have a debate about how important the manager is. They've got a guy in Bob Melvin that seems to be the perfect guy uh, for a team that that's serious about winning. But, man, there's just, like, I've watched a couple of their games because they have a lot of players that are that I really like watching. I love Manny Machado. Mm-hmm. But you watch a lot of those games, Kevin, and there's just not a lot going on. Yeah, when, man, when man, offensively, there's it's, manufacturing runs is not really a thing, right? It's it's you know you're waiting for the three it's run. Odd. Homer, it's which just they're, they're, they have innings uh, waiting for Mark, a name to step up and get a big hit, and a lot of the times it doesn't happen. Yeah, Mark Grant, yeah. their TV analyst, will, will join. I mean, they they have just innings where you just it's almost like an offensive desert, 
And um, I, I find that I find that I find that really puzzling. And you know, the I mean, as we get to the trade deadline now, look, the San Diego Padres have spent the past three years basically taking on all your players. They got Juan Soto last year. I wonder what the Padres do at the deadline. You know, at some point you've got to make a call. I think I don't think Tatis Jr., Soto, Machado, Bogarts. I think one of those guys ends up going. You think so? I think one of those guys ends up going. To me, it's got to be Soto. And, uh, I mean, it wouldn't, I don't know if you would do it at this trade deadline, but, you know, I'll tell you what, if there's a feeding frenzy for Shohei Otani, I'm certainly not hanging up the phone if I'm AJ Preller and somebody's calling me about Juan Soto. Yum. Uh, you mean with the, with the Angels? No, no, I'm saying AJ Preller, there's going to be. Depending on what happens with Shohei Otani, if Shohei Otani isn't traded, I'm putting Juan Soto on the market to see what I can get. Maybe if I'm the Padres and jo- they've already got Josh Hader, yeah, another guy that who's a free agent at the end of the they're year. They're 16th in runs, they're 23rd in average, they're like, ninth in ERA. So you, it would tell you that their pitching is good enough. It's the National League. It's yeah. the you know their division. It's not. It's good. I mean the. The Dodgers are, you know, but, not healthy at all and continue to win. You should be a lot better than you are. And it's a type offensively, of offensively, it's just it hasn't been there yeah, for whatever reason. And it's the type of pitching, honestly, you should be able to ride into the postseason. Absolutely. Like tonight's starter, no Joe Musgrove. Oh, you've got man. Snell, you've got Darvish. You should be able to ride into the postseason. Uh now you're talking about trading guys. one of the three. I don't think you'd trade I don't know if you'd trade a starting. I don't think you'd tra- trade the starting pitcher. I mean, this, and the other thing with the Padres is you know they're the uh, they're the biggest small market in baseball. They don't. I, I mean, they just don't act like a. Uh, they just don't. They spend money. They're not crazy like the Mets, but they'll spend money. You know they they've they've gone in for a, they've gone in for a lot of guys, and um, you know they've taken advantage. They've depleted. I, they've de- they've depleted a I, fair amount. Of I their have farm an answer system. to your question. I I think the Padres are puzzling. The Mets are the biggest disappointment. All right, I, that's. I'm puzzled why the Padres are not better. Yeah, and I mean, I guess because you could look at the Mets and go, w- was it possible that Scherzer and Verlander would, that age would finally yeah, catch up maybe to them? Maybe they're yeah. just not that good. Could maybe be. Maybe that's it. Could be carried over from last year. I could mean, be. it's most of the lineup's still there. Maybe the lineup's just not that good. Maybe the the two guys that are top of your rotation are getting old. Uh, if. Uh, there were some of you going to the park tonight hoping that you get a chance to give Rugnit Odur the usual Toronto welcome. I got bad news for you. He's been DFA'd by the Padres. The Padres mm-hmm. made a couple of moves. They sent Austin Nola down to the minors as well. Um, yeah, and we'll see. We'll see if there's anything else to follow. The Padres lineup is Kim Tatis Jr., Soto Machado, Bogarts, Cronenworth. I still like to see him oh, yeah. with the Jays. Sanchez, Carpenter, Grisham, and Joe Musgrove. You talk about two, two through five. I mean, that could be the best yeah, four games in baseball. Uh, that's pretty good. That's really, that's really, really good. good. That's really good. Uh, for the Jays tonight, Springer, Bichette, Belt, Guerrero, Chapman, Merrifield, Varsho, Danny Jansen, Kevin Kiermeyer, Alec Manoa on the mound. Reading anything into the fact Danny's catching Alec, or is that just simply I think it's that offensively. I was going to say That's what it's, I think it's it an is. offensive decision. Yeah, yeah, because they, you know, the khakis yelling and screaming about Kirk, he's still in that ball down that Alec Manoa likes to throw occasionally with the sinker, and for me, it's offensively. Kirk, he's giving you nothing. You've said this for weeks now. He's giving you nothing offensively. It makes it real easy for you to put Danny Jansen in the, in the lineup when he's, you know, hitting 
game-tying two-run homers in the uh, ninth inning on the road dang. and then getting big bases clearing doubles. I mean, it makes it real easy. And he's, and he's improved and, and defensively know, behind the plate, calling games and calling timeout. I, I will add to my answer. Okay. I think that calling timeout occasionally with Alec running out there that Kirky does not do, that relationship when it's sort of starting to go off the tracks a little. Well, and you I need thought, the grown up in the room to run out there and go, "Hey, dude, what are you doing?" Here? And I we thought, worked on this in the seventy pitches we threw on Friday. I thought we saw that on the uh, in the uh, one of the games against Arizona as well, where he went out to talk to Nate Pearson after that that leadoff walk. Yeah, um, look at the score. Why are you throwing that, Danny Jansen? By the way, this I want to ask you about this. Okay, he's in a seven game hitting streak. It's second his second seven game hitting streak of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's nine for twenty four. Uh, with three extra base hits and seven RBI during the streak. Yeah. He's got a 1.006 OPS. In his last 20 games, he's 19 for 62, which is 306. Four doubles, five homers, 14 ribbies. He's got a 951 OPS. We've talked about this with Danny Jansen. It seems to me that he does go, his offense comes in spurts. Yeah, it does. Why is there something about Danny? I mean, we know what he is as a hitter now. More importantly, Danny knows what he is as a hitter now. But yeah, there, yeah. Kevin, is there something about that approach that, that leads it to leads him to be streaky? That that that's a lot of the times, right? So you, you, is when you're a one sided guy where you're basically split the field in half and you're trying to hit everything to the pull side, which would be the left of second mm-hmm. base, right to left field. Occasionally, you're going to have to let a ball travel from you know a slider and hit that thing to right field. That's why you see the you know the up mm-hmm. and down a lot with him, and he he is a long strider. If you've noticed when he takes pitches, how long his stride is. When he gets real long with like his front foot, it's making up a lot of ground. That's why we see that knee. That's why we move. see that knee dragging yeah, the ground sometimes his, when he his, swings. Right. That's also when his hands look like a windmill. Yeah. Like his hands will get further away from his body, and then you'll start to see the rollover, and you'll start to see a little lazy pop fly to center or the jam shot to right field right when he's not really trying to do that. It's because of the stride foot. I I like that he's bought into who he's trying to be. Mm-hmm. I, ain't, I ain't trying to hit 300. I ain't trying to hit 250. I am trying to get a basis clearing double in the eighth inning to help my team win a baseball game. If I can do that two or three times a week, you take that, and that's why he is catching more than Alejandro Kirk. Like there's now, they are telling you that it's very important to have guys in who understand who they are, who are you know taking two o sinkers down that are pitchers, pitchers, pitches to get a sort of a hanging breaking ball that's a little bit closer to you that you can sort of drive down and through it and hit it to the pull side. Those are big league bats, and that's sort of what they're trying to line their lineup with is guys who have confidence in who they are and what they're trying to do. And right now, Danny Jansen's doing that. Good for him. Weird. Their catchers are both right-hand hitters. Danny Jansen's hitting 148 against lefties. Alejandro Kirk's hitting 196 against left-handed pitching. Yeah, I would say they don't. I I haven't dug a bunch into that, but I would assume that they don't face a bunch of lefties. And it is plate awareness. Plate awareness is a big deal. It is the ball in off the plate from a lefty that you're trying to not chase that pitch. And and when you get it, stay up the middle. Don't try and get too big on it, right? He's left-handed. I'm facing all these right-handed pitchers. Like, I can get a little frisky here when I face a lefty. So, yeah. 
John Schneider has just done his media availability uh, ahead of tonight's game against the San Diego Padres, and he addressed the situation with the team's injured pitchers. And uh, let's play the clip from John Schneider. Give us an update. Maybe. I mean, I think he kind of, you know, looks for these moments and appreciates these moments in this atmosphere and environment here. Um, different lineup, obviously, that he's, you know, facing as opposed to Detroit. Not that it's, you know, big leagues is the big leagues. So um, I think it'll be a good test for him for sure uh, with the caliber of talent that they have over there. And as you look back at that first start in Detroit, um, in hindsight, what was really kind of stood out to you most about what he did out there? His delivery, kind of the, the pace in his delivery that we've talked about so much, the strike throwing, um, not letting innings kind of get out of hand when a couple guys got on base, um, finishing guys off with two strikes, kind of everything that's made him great to this point that eluded him a little bit at the beginning of the year. Uh, so looking for more of that, you know, when he's in the zone, he's really good. And um, hopefully he can kind of build off of that first start and, and keep it rolling here. Where are you at as far as Kevin Gossie's uh, feeling better. He's going to throw a side tomorrow and um, kind of see how he feels after that. And targeting, uh, hopefully, if all goes well this weekend. That's John Schneider, manager of the Blue Jays. That was an error by your host. I uh, a little bit of little bit of miscommunication. Well, yeah, that was John Schneider talking good. about Alec uh, talking about Alec Manoa. Yeah, and touching a little bit on Kevin Gossman as well. Um, we talked about a lot of things you want to see Alec Manoa do, but not letting the inning get out of hand is also. Uh, I mean that that was one thing we saw against Detroit because I think we kind of kept waiting. We kept waiting for that. Here well, we I think go, it's right? the third the third inning with versus Detroit where it sort of it could have got out of hand and mm-hmm. it didn't. He made a good pitch when he had to make it. Now this is a different lineup. This yep. is a this is a veteran lineup. They understand what they can't do, and they're trying to force you into zones that they can do some damage. And it's up to Alec to again. This gets back to that mechanic thing and the conditioning thing and and. You know, the throwing program stuff and, you know, the maintaining velocity and having the same release point and, you know, not falling off to the – it's a lot. But for him to be good, he has to do almost all of those things. And it starts with strike one. It's staying within yourself, right? If you give up a leadoff single, don't let it get out of hand. And I think that's what John was talking about there. And that shape of the slider, right, is it – I think mentally – just needs to be a little bit better whenever he's flipping it to, you know, whoever he's flipping it to, to whoever he's flipping it to in the order, righty or lefty, you know, if he's still in a strike, backdoor it to Soto. If he wants to backfoot it to Soto, it needs to be backfooted to Soto. Like, I think mentally he needs to see the process, the 70-pitch bullpen that he threw on Friday that everybody was raving about that I've talked to says – that he needs to see that when he runs out between the lines. And this is a good lineup. Like, I know they're 23rd and average and 16th and runs. Well, they're they're going to force him in the zone because they know who he is. He's basically a two-pitch guy. And this is right. – there's a lot of – there's a lot of veterans here. Like they, these are These are guys that have been around the block. Some of them yeah. will have seen Alec Manoa. You know, it's uh, – your point's well made. Two to five is a pretty – 
pretty good lineup. Yeah, you're going to have to have a backdoor slider. You're going to have to have elevated four-seamer away. You're going to have to have two-seamer in. These are for strikes. These are yeah. not for show, non-competitive. It does you no good if you're throwing it in there and it's not close. It has to be a competitive, like their takes what? have to be like late, 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 late swing take. Like they have to be that way for him to be good because of the veterans, because of the lefties, because of having arm side, glove side, the shape on the slider. So there's a lot going into this and this is a big start for him. We know that the slider is his out pitch. Uh, we also know what you said. I mean, the shape of the slider is one of the things that the Jays wanted him to work on. How does he, and, I, and I, I'm kind of with you. I think that's the type of thing you need a full off season to really get down. So let's mm. just assume that the shape of the slider is just kind of iffy for the rest of the year or not as good as it was when he was good last year. How does, how does Alec Manoa stay in games and put dudes away? If he doesn't have okay, that pitch. Right, okay, right, righty. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Without the slider, I can be unpredictable with that thing. I can flip a a little stay on top of, instead of a slider, a good curveball. It's 0-1. Now I'm elevating the two-seamer in. It's 1-1 or 0-2. Like, I'm competitive with those two pitches. I don't have to be great with my slider, but if I'm competitive with my two-seamer, I'm competitive with Juan Soto elevated four-seamer, whether that's middle, whether that's away, it has to be competitive. It has to be a tough take. If those two things are good, and I can respect that, and he's getting some called strikes mm. from the two fastballs, which is the two-seamer. Obviously, sometimes it's a two-seamer, sometimes it's a sinker. Two-seamer side-to-side sinker is that 11-to-4 move. That's when he's frisky. Everything's going the way it's supposed to be going. He's fast off the slope. Like, everything's falling where it needs to be falling right. And he's finishing with the with the release point And, you know, the elbow's staying behind the hand. He's getting it out front, and he's really snapping it off. He's not thinking about it. That's when it's really good. But when it's not, that's sort of when Danny Jansen comes into play. And it's about how you set up. It's the target he's given him. Like there's a bunch of things that can go into this and it gets down to, you know, he's been around long enough to understand how to self-correct on the mound. He's been through the really bad. He's had a, a decent start against a bad team, which should give him some confidence. Now you're facing a good lineup. Get out there, attack with your fastball, establish that early on, and you'll be able to get away with some bad sinkers, sliders, curveballs, whatever, however you want to throw them. So, and occasionally, sprinkle in a changeup. If you can do that, you'll be all right. Mark Grant is a San Diego Padres TV analyst. He's a former MLB pitcher. The Padres are in town tonight, first of three games against the Blue Jays. 707 is the first pitch. Mark Grant joins us next. We've got John Paul Morosi ahead as well. And, yes, we do have tickets to give away. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan, Sportsnet 360, and Sportsnet. Smart takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Seven oh seven will be the first pitch tonight on Sportsnet 590. The fan of Sportsnet is the Jays open to three-game series against the 
San Diego Padres. Alec Manoa on the mound against Joe Musgrove, former Blue Jays farmhand. Joe Musgrove is 8-2 with a 329 ERA. Ooh. He's good. Um, Try not to chase. Get him in the zone. Well, that is the key with him. Let's bring in Mark Grant. He's a San Diego Padres TV analyst, former MLB pitcher live from the Rogers Center. Mark, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. Welcome to Toronto. Uh, it's good to uh, it's, it's good to talk to you again. Uh, I'm just I, a very simple question to get the conversation going, I, I guess, and you probably get this every city you go to, but why aren't the Padres leading the West right now? Good question. First of all, gentlemen, it is an honor to be with you. And, like, my life is complete now that I'm talking to Blair and Barker. Wow. I could just retire. Well, don't, <laughs> wow. retire don't retire until after, yeah, until yeah. after yeah. you finish the segment. We love yeah. hearing well, you, you know too, what? so don't yeah. retire. Uh, I, I, I will say this, guys. Uh, it's been a very disappointing season. I'm a fan, the San Diego Padre fans. Let's go back to FanFest. It was like Woodstock in San Diego. The expectations were high. So to answer your question, they've never been able to get on a run. I think their biggest winning streak is three games, which mm-hmm. is unbelievable. I would have lost that bet. I would have lost the mortgage to my house. I would have lost everything if somebody were to come to me and say, hey, the Padres' longest streak up until July 18th was three games. I, I would have lost that. Um, I always tell people, guys, that the big four, like we're talking about, you know, Soto, Bogarts, Tatis, Machado, um, it's just they, they've never really gotten going together. It hasn't been a collective onslaught of just rat-tat-tatting all over and just wearing out opposing pitching. Um, sometimes there are questions, and, and Kevin, I know you, you played the game. Uh, Jeff, you know the game. It's, it's sometimes you can't put your finger on it and answer mm-hmm. that question. It's a conundrum for managers, for coaches, for fans. But it's I'll tell you what, it's um, in franchise history, with the expectations, this is – this has been one of those years to where it's like, wow, this is a kick to the gut. And then just when you recover, another kick to the gut. So, hey, um, hopefully, uh, I, I don't know what's going what's gonna to happen. Yeah, what do you think they're going to do? They're, t- they're, Good ten, question. they're 10 and a half out of the West. Yeah. They're eight games back in the wild card. Yeah. We play, we've, we've seen some National League teams come in here and play the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I don't want to say anything bad about the National League, but a lot sure. of those teams aren't, aren't great. To be right. eight games back with a balanced yeah. schedule, is a little hard to read. Yeah, it's going to be a tough row. No no question about it, Kevin. The thing is, see, even this is the thing as we're getting into middle of July and late July uh, towards the deadline. First of all, to answer your question, are they going to do anything? I, I don't know. Um, I think my gut feeling would be that they stand pat and kind of work with what they've got. Um, you know, there was a lot going back in time. Uh, Juan Soto, the Padres gave up a lot in talent to get Juan Soto. Uh, in the years past, they've given up minor league talent to get big leaguers, uh, so on and so forth. But here's the deal. Even if they stand pat, there's so many scenarios here. If they stand pat and do well, now you're banking on also the teams ahead of them kind of hitting a skid. Are they going to uh, not play good baseball? Are they going to lose 12 out of 15 where the Padres win 12 out of 15? You know, that's kind of hard to – you can't bank on that. So I know it sounds cliche, but uh, try to go 1-0 tonight against the Jays and then uh, try to – Try to take it from there. What you can control, win tonight. What you can't control is the other teams 
messing up and hitting that hitting that big skid. Absolutely, Mark. Every time I hear people talk about Juan Soto, it is wait till you hear watch him hit. You know, he's amazing. He's one of the best hitters in baseball. And then you look at his stats and you watch him a little bit. Now, obviously, I don't watch him mm-hmm. as much as you do. You see him every single day. I'm sure you have conversations with him. You know, it's the aggressive approach that, yeah. for me, the way he should always have. When you have talent like that, I'm assuming he has. He's oozing talent. I. I guess my question to you is, how should I think of Juan Soto? You should think of Juan Soto as the type of hitter who kind of likes to swing at his own strikes, if that makes any sense. He knows the strike zone. I think when Juan Soto starts to go the other way, like when he was acquired from the Nationals, I remember the words out of his mouth, Kevin, that he said when he is at his best and what he loves to see is the ball off his bat and go to left field. We didn't see a lot of that. We saw him trying to pull everything, maybe trying to do too much, the old cliche in baseball uh, with a new team. But when you see Juan Soto knows the strike zone, draws walks, and hopefully when he puts the ball into play, it's extra bases. That OPS goes up. Uh, Left field, you know, he's not going to win a gold glove in left field. But, uh, you know, he, he's out there, you know, trying to run down balls, and sometimes he's made a good play, sometimes he hasn't. Um, but as far as the, he's very disciplined at the plate, sometimes, occasionally, he'll get a little froggy and swing at some bad pitches out of the zone. But generally speaking, he, he likes to swing at strikes, but sometimes it gets down even to the point to where Kevin and uh, Jeff, that not only strikes, but he's, he likes to swing at his strikes, yeah. if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. Yep. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, yeah. Yes. What do you think a contending team thinks of him? Wow. Uh, good question. So, let's see. I'm on the team that's contending, and uh, I'll tell you what. Um, you know, if you walk him, it's really no big deal. You know, with the way the offense is going with San Diego, it's been in spurts. When If you walk Soto, then you face Manny. Manny has been uh, hitting the ball pretty well. So, it's where Soto's in the lineup. Um, it's where... Uh, like tonight he's batting third, Manny's batting fourth. So if I'm in a situation to where, you know, you can walk Juan or you have to pitch to Juan, you know, just pitch to him in a way to you look at his hot zones and, and try to avoid that, that hot zone. If you walk him, uh, then you're going to deal with Manny Machado. So, but, you know, his OPS, on-base percentage, you got to take a look at that. And uh, there are times you got to be careful with him. Uh, but at times, like it's like you know, he's going to ground out. Yeah, Mark, what has made this lineup particularly susceptible to right-handed starting pitching? I mean, what they're hitting well, two twenty-five against right-handed starters. Yeah. And Soto, I mean, Soto, Soto's hitting two ninety-nine against right-handers. So I mean, right. it's not like he's horrible in that area. Uh, what Get, explains this? <laughs> well, first of all, a, a big broad picture is that this team has been having difficulty hitting the fastball. That's been the frustrating okay. thing. Usually. When, uh, you know, we watch Major League Baseball, the reason why guys get to the big leagues is because they can rake the fastball, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see that uh, the numbers are either second to last or last, maybe second to last in hitting the fastball. Um, that's one thing I'd like to see. If this series, if they get fastballs in the zone, go to Hacken. Don't take. And it's frustrating. And you know, Kevin and, and Jeff, you guys, would you guys agree with me? Baseball has turned more of a spinning league, more of a breaking mm-hmm. ball league, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So it's almost as if guys are sitting breaking ball and they get a fastball and it's like 3-1 fastball down the middle and they take it. Ugh, 2-0 fastball down the middle. They, uh, you know, swing. You know, for me, being the old guy yelling at the clouds and yelling, get off my lawn, I'm like, you know, swing the bat, right? Um, but, you know, you never know. Hitting's tough. It's, it's one of the toughest gigs out there. And uh, sometimes it just seems very, very frustrating. But hitting the fastball, that's a big key for the San Diego Padres. Yeah, Musgrove is 7-0 and in his last nine starts. That's an ERA of 1.79. Yep. That, that's really good. He, has, he doesn't allow a lot of runs. Why is he this good? He lands breaking stuff early, and he's a spinner too. I mean, he'll spin that cutter. He'll throw that curveball, that slider. Not afraid to throw it any time, 3-0. 
confidence in it. And I tell you what, Joe Musgrove, man, you know, he's, he's got stones. He's one of those guys you want there out on the hill. Uh, if there's a big game, you want Joe out there. And you guys should know him, right? Uh, Toronto mm-hmm. farmhand yep. back in the day. Uh, uh, homegrown, uh, you know, he's from San Diego, so it's been a great fit for him throwing the no-hitter. We all know that. It's just Joe's been great. Uh, he gets the whole picture, the fans, the press. Um, he's just uh, the whole package, Joe Musgrove. We're really, really happy to have him. How do you think San Diego fans will uh, w- would take a year where the Padres don't make the playoffs? Because that's one of the, you know, the, listen, the, one of the real stories about this team as well is, I mean, it's just, it's become such, it's a great ballpark. It's become such yeah. a great, it's such a great baseball market too. I mean, I would argue it's become one of the best baseball markets in North America. Mm-hmm. Will the fans, will the fans put up with this? Do you think, will, will they be, will they kind of give them a mulligan and say, we'll, we'll come back next year? I think more as, that, that's a great question. And, and what has transpired in the last two or three years, I think fans now are expecting more. And uh, there's been the rabid fans. And, you know, there's always going to be fans out there expressing their opinions. And uh, those are the diehard fans. And that's what's great about baseball. But, yeah, you're right. I think it's leaning more towards, you know, it's now or never. I'm not saying it's now or never. But mm-hmm. that window of this year, next year, uh, you know, with the contracts that they've given out and the long-term contracts they've given out and the continuity, that's the one thing that is going well for the pod. They've got the continuity as far as contracts. You know pretty much who's going to be here if, if not traded. But, um, yeah, no, I think the fans are frustrated. I mean, let's face it. Um, it's been a long time since 1998, and yeah. uh, it's been too long. And these fans are hungry. They're hungry for a winner. Uh, Mr. Seidler, one of the nicest, sweetest guys, owners of the Padres, he wants a winner. And uh, the Padres are doing everything in their power to, to try to uh, make that come to fruition. So it's, um, hey, I- I'm disappointed as a fan. Um, it, like, it, if it doesn't happen this year, uh, boy, next year or the next year after that, 24, 25, it's, it's their window, man. Is Tati, sorry, is Tatis Jr., uh, I dare I say, I guess back after being suspended. Is he back? Yeah, uh, he that's water under the bridge. He has accepted all that. He has uh, been very remorseful. Here's the thing. He has gone out there each and every day, busted his tail, and he's getting better and better in right field. Um, He's been one of the bright spots this season. Uh, He shuts down the running game. And like I said, with more reps out there in right field, he's getting better and better. His arm is strong. It's accurate. I would rather, and you guys know this, I'd rather have a guy where you have to coach down than coach up. He's definitely one of those guys who's very aggressive. I I call it his playground out there in right. He's got more room to roam than at shortstop, and he can show off that arm to, you know, any of the bases. uh, But he has uh, definitely been fun to watch. Okay, I got to ask you a mechanical uh, thing about pitching. We, we, Alec Manoa is pitching tonight. You, you know, it's everybody knows what Alec Manoa has been through this year. You know, conditioning wise, he, he's a little bigger. He's just trying to get everything in line. And they talk about speed down the slope. And mm-hmm. I, I, I want you, if you can, explain to people what speed down the slope means as a pitcher and how big of a deal that is. Well, I've, I've, I've skied a couple times at Mammoth and at uh, Heavenly Valley up on Lake Tahoe. So the only thing I know about I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you don't want to see me on the slopes. So what was that phrase again, Kev? Uh, speed down the slope. They talk about that speed. all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Whenever you're a pitcher, you want to have speed down the slope. Yeah, yeah. I, I get you. Yeah. And I read a little bit about Alec and about staying tall over the rubber. And, Absolutely. Uh, speed down the slope. Now, if I understand correctly, if a guy wants, and this is just it's subjective, but from, from my standpoint, speed down the slope is there's a fine line to where you can't be too quick too soon. So standing tall over and, and the hands separate, you start to get up on top and work downhill. 
I would think that um, there's that fine line of pushing off rather than overdoing it and overthrowing them. That releases that messes up the release point, almost like a hitter from the feet up. What you do on the bottom half is going to affect the top half. So if Alec Manoa is in sync, speed down the slope with his hand separation, with the pushing towards home plate and get working downhill, I'm going to look for a shorter stride tonight because if a pitcher tells me he's working down, wants to learn how to pitch more downhill, to me he's got to shorten his stride a little bit so he can get up on top and work downhill. Longer striders. Like, I'm going back in time, but like David Wells, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, he was more of a guy that kind of like maybe, I don't want to say push the ball, but that release point down lower, and um, uh, that's the way he, he threw the baseball. So shorter stride possibly to work downhill, and uh, hopefully that creates that speed uh, downhill for Alec Manoa. Yeah, that's a great answer. That's yeah. why I ask you, because I knew you'd have a good answer. Yeah, well, you know what, Kevin? I've got a question for you. Am I talking to, like, the greatest first baseman in San Diego Padre history back boy, in 2002? I wish, boy, boy, I wish. I wish you I know could why? T- I wish I could take credit for that. Because your fielding, per, your fielding percentage is 1,000. <laughs> yeah, because that, that's only because I, I played like a half a game. So, yeah. You get, you, you, you <laughs> get, bad. Well, you get one ground ball, you make, you make the play. You know, you're excellent at it. So, yeah, I'll, ta- you, you, I'll take it. Your yeah. gold glove is How in the too? mail. Oh. Your platinum glove is being made right now. I love Kevin it. Barker, I love the it. all-time great first baseman. I appreciate for that. the San Diego Padres. Absolutely. I'll take it. That's great. Mark, thanks so much for doing this, man. Really yeah, appreciate it. See you down to the yard. Thanks Be well. Jeff, Jeff, Kevin, thank you so much, and uh, congrats on the success of your show as well. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank appreciate you. it. We'll chat right, with guys. you later. Take Be care. well. Thank okay. you. It's Mark Grant, uh, Padres TV analyst, a real good pitcher. Yeah, he gave a great answer there about the the, it is, the yeah. down the slope. You don't want to be too fast and the stride foot. And again, you listen. This is why I ask him that because you just listen to him explain that. Think about Alec Manoa trying to fix that in season on a team that's contending when he basically was the weakest link. Well, you've you've made the point often. Uh, yeah, we're not going to lay it entirely at his doorstep, but one of the reasons the Jays' record against the AL East is so bad this year was the fact that <clears throat> a lot of those games came early in the year when Alec Manoa was trying to find himself. Hey, again, I'm not laying it entirely at his at his doorstep. That's not fair and that's not accurate. But it has something to better. do with it. Yeah, he could have been way. Well, he, he, to your point, he made six starts against the American League East. The Jays lost all six. Yeah, if you're 500 there, then then you know seven. It looks, it looks a little different. Ten maybe and you're seventeen a little different is the standings too, exactly, right? So you exactly. you gain a little confidence. Maybe wasn't been sent down. It's just interesting to listen to a a pitcher talk about all the things that go into control, spinning it, location, velocity, maintaining that. Like there is a, it's a ton. Oh, and, and by, then, the, oh, way, by the way, you got to face a really good lineup. I was going to say really good, but names on the back of the jerseys are really good. And I was going to say, oh, 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 and by the way, while you're correcting it, we need to win because you want to go to the world there series this year. No pressure. Um, if you are interested, by the way, Joe Musgrove's tonight, tonight's starter is a first round pick of the Jays. Uh, 46 pick overall in the 2011 amateur draft. He was traded by the Jays with a player to be named later, Francisco Cordero, Ben Francisco, Carlos Perez, David Rollins, and Asher Wojciechowski to the Houston Astros for David Carpenter, Jay Happ, and Brandon Lyon. The uh, player to be named later was Kevin Comer, who was eventually sent to the Houston Astros. And, uh, I mean, you want to talk about Joe Musgrove being involved in trades. 2018, traded by the Astros with Michael Feliz, Jason Martin, and Colin Moran to the Pirates for Garrett Cole. And then January 19, 2021, 
traded as part of a three-team deal by the Pirates to the Padres. The Padres sent Joey Lucchese to the Mets, Omar Cruz, Drake Fellows, Hudson Head, and a dude named David Bednar to the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, yeah, uh, Joe Musgrove, man, is... Bednard looked good with the Blue Jays. Yeah, it's like there's a six degree of separation thing happening here. Hey, it's time now for our favorite segment. Time now for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game, Mr. Mark Boffo. Are you and uh, you and Mr. Barker going to gang up on me today? <laughs> After your your last night, your lucky roll of the dice last night. Yeah, yeah, it's luck. Mm. Hmm. Oh, sorry. I was just doing. You okay there? You know, I was just doing some. uh, I was just doing some online shopping after Barker made me so much cash last night. Let's go, Bark. I'll tell you, Freddie Freeman, baby. You must have made him a ton of money because you bought me a toasted coconut donut. Yeah, yeah. How about that? That was very nice. Mm. And some coffee. And normally, Mark only buys coffee when Kikuchi. You say Kikuchi wins. So yeah, I guess you know. May never get coffee again. (laughs) I was going to say we might as well take it. We can get it. Anyhow, Bafo, go ahead. All right. I digress. You guys have uh, talked about him uh, a lot in the last couple of minutes here. Joe Musgrove on the mound tonight for the Padres. Bet Rivers has the strikeout total set at over under five and a half, five and a half Ks over under for Joe Musgrove. What do you guys say? I'm taking the under. And uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I understand he gets a fairly high chase rate, but the Jays in the, the past month, rate in stop it. The Jays in the past month, <laughs> The Jays in the past month have uh, have, have been one of the, the the lowest chasing teams in baseball. Oh, and by the way, in games pitched outside the continental United States, Joe Musgrove averages an even five strikeouts per game. That includes one game in Toronto where he had seven and another game in Mexico City at Alfredo Harp Stadium where he had three. So 10 divided by two is five. So I'm taking the under. Yeah, I'm taking the under too. I mean, I don't Wait, know. No. I have I have no idea what you just said there. The Jays have struck out 65 times in their last 15 games. That's 4.3 Ks per per game. That's third best in baseball. The Jays have the third fewest Ks at home in baseball. Well, you're agreeing with me. They have the lowest chase rate. Musgrove in 29 innings no pitched on the road have punched out only 26 okay. batters. I'm taking I'm the taking over. The under. I'm taking the over. Then if Parker's well, you, taking the under, I'm taking the under. I'll take the over then. I don't understand your stats, but well, I'm just saying. You were trying. I, I, well, you, you were trying. You were, you were the guy that dropped the whole, you know, Freddie Freeman leads the major leagues in doubles on Monday thing, <laughs> yeah, which yeah, I don't yeah. believe, which I think I is absolutely. a Absolutely. Look it up. Look it and up. And that was not a triple yesterday, by the Look way. But up. anyhow. And, uh, and, 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 and Joe Musgrove, has. this is going to be his third start outside the continental United States, right? Can you say that? Is Mexico part of the continental? No, it's not. Anyhow, the point is when he's pitched outside of the United States, he's averaged an even five strikeouts per game. So I'm, I'm, Jays have not struck out six times against America. There you go. That's it. Since the Lance Lynn. There you go. Alfredo. First game of the doubleheader. Did you ever hit a home run at Alfredo Harp Stadium in, in, uh, in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a Mexico? Mexico City? No. Barker seems way more confident in his uh, pick here. Yeah, I know. Barker does seem way more confident. Barker's on a roll. Barker's on a roll. Did you take the over or the under? uh, I don't know. That was between the lines brought to you by (laughs) Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Well, pick. I'm I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under. I'm taking the under. I mean, I'm going to ride the Barker Express here. 
I mean, I want, a, I want some. This is a tough one. I want some cake. Musgrove I want. has been really, really good. And that highest out of the zone swing percentage yeah, it is. at 37.4% scares me. But this is a, one of the times I'm going to take the lineup yeah. over the pitcher. And I think they're, uh, yeah. I'm with you in that. I can't believe it. Uh, Shohei Otani, by the way, somebody, is it true? He's hit like 24 home runs since Aaron Judge's last at bat or something like that. Uh, Shohei Otani last night, I don't know if you saw it against the Yankees, the bat flip. Uh, I mean, this guy is, all you have to do is mention his name. There's no point in saying anything else. He's a Hall of Fame pitcher and a Hall of Fame hitter now. He is uh, going to be the focus of discussions at the trade deadline. And, you know, if you listen to a lot of the national reporters, you hear he's going to be traded. He's not going to be traded to the Pirates. He's going to be traded to the Yankees. He's not going to be traded. I'll say this. the, The Angels have done a pretty good job of not tipping their hand here. Now the trade deadline is we've still got a few few days away. This easy. Still got a few days soon, away. As soon as Mike Trout got hurt, it gave me a built in excuse yeah. to trade him. That depends if you're looking for an excuse or not, though, which you may not. But we've still got a couple as I mentioned, we've got a couple of weeks uh before the trade deadline kicks in. But this is gonna be the focal point. This is gonna be everything. No this is gonna be all that anybody's gonna be talking about uh for the next two weeks. John Morosi is the national baseball correspondent with the MLB Network. We'll talk to him about Shohei Otani. Want to talk about the Cubs. Marcus Stroman, Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger would look great in a Jays uniform. Which Central Division team does he think will sell more at the deadline? You like Brandon Donovan, the Cardinals. Would you like to see him on this team? Cardinals have got a couple of outfielders that they're going to be looking to move. No. Hmm. Outfielders, infielders, switchers. They got some guys. They got some dudes. We'll talk to Morosi about that. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker. We are your pregame show. Because we're on before tonight's Jays Padres game. 707 is the first pitch. Alec Manoa against Joe Musgrove. Wednesday, Jose Barrios against you, Darsh. Oh, this is good pitching. Boy. Thursday, Chris Bassett against Blake Snell. Well, I got a tight hammy. You're hitting. <laughs> Coach. <laughs> Next will be three day long. <laughs> hammy. Uh, three, day. three day. Three day. Three day. Three day. Series to series. Uh, a this- reminder Thursday's game is at 107. And uh, Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk tonight and tomorrow. And Thursday, we will be on at our regular time after the Jays game. Uh, If you missed it a little earlier, updates from John Schneider pregame about pitching injuries. Kevin Gossman's throwing a side session tomorrow. Jordan Romano threw off the mound yesterday. 
Uh, the Jays are saying that uh, he should be ready to go tonight. Hyunjin Ryu makes a start Friday at Buffalo. Five to six innings or 80 pitches. Expect his next start after that if all goes according to plan to be for the Blue Jays. And Chad Green's first game oh. post-Tommy John is set for Saturday at the need. And I have to admit, I have, I and, and this is, well, maybe Ben Wagner joins us later on. Uh, maybe I can ask, uh, maybe Ben has the answer to this. Uh, what the procedure will be for Chad Green. Obviously, Chad Green coming back as yeah, yeah. a reliever, I would what, think it would probably be a, a what little do you look different for? than him. Like Jim velocity? Ryu. Is it break? A, is it condition? Like, what do you look for? Exactly. But, boy, I keep, I keep saying, um, and, I, and I'm really trying to keep a, I'm really trying to keep a lid in this because Chad Green's good to go, man. Anyhow, uh, we'll go to the Thank back leg girl. line later on, 416-413-3959. I've also got Jay's tickets to give away. But uh, before we do that, our next guest needs no introduction. Mm-mm. So I'm not going to. How you doing, John? I'm outstanding, Jeff and Kevin. Don't you love this time of year? This is a lot of fun. Huh. Why? <laughs> well, we I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We know I'm why. just kidding. We know it's why. John Morosi. I'm just kidding. Yes. We could be on the precipice of history. And now, I'll tell you a quick story. I once, uh, so uh, we're coming up on so August of 2012. Uh, I'm not going to bore you with all the details, but we, we welcome my, my oldest daughter, Gabriella, into the world. And I'm getting ready to leave the, the hospital with my wife. And I'm getting phone calls, Ken Rosenthal, this Dodgers Red Sox blockbuster is going on Ooh. with a quarter of a billion dollars happening. Adrian Gonzalez, Carl Crawford, the whole deal. And, and she looks at me as we have the infant carrier leaving the hospital, and, and she says, do you really have to take this call? And I said, yes, I do. This is the biggest trade in the history of baseball. That was true at the time, but Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford and a quarter million dollars, a quarter billion dollars, will look like something we did uh, when we were 12 years old trading baseball cards compared to what Otani is if he actually gets traded two weeks from tonight. Yeah, I, you know, it, I mean, God, listen, we have, we've had so many people on talking about Otani. We had Joe Madden on, and I've asked them all the same question. How do you put a value in this guy? And, you know, Joe's answer was, and, and I think it was, it was kind of interesting. He said, well, and he was thinking of him as a free agent. And he said, I think you almost have to sign him to two contracts. One Shohei Otani, the pitcher. One Shohei Otani, the hitter. Now, you, you can't do that. A player obviously can only have, can only have one, contact, uh, one contract in baseball. But I think right. what he was getting at is you've almost got to approach this as five years down the road, he's healthy and doing both. Five years down the road, he's healthy, but he's only doing one Five years down the road, he's healthy, but he's only doing the other thing. And then five years down the road, he's healthy, and he's kind of doing a little more than you thought. I mean, it's it, it's hard to to fathom how much it is going to cost to keep Shohei Otani or to get Shohei Otani. And, and, and John, it's for that reason. If I don't know what he's going to be valued as a free agent, I don't know if I can value him for an in-season trade either. I just don't. Yeah, and that's why it's so difficult. And and let's think about this too, Jeff. Not only is this an unprecedented player to have to, to price in the market, and, and I actually had somebody tell me recently that maybe the Angels could ask for what the Padres had to give up to get Juan Soto a year ago 
Wow. Even with two and a half years at that <laughs> time, as opposed to half a year, because of just how unique Otani is. Now, this to me, and we, we talk about a lot of the impediments to a deal with Otani, and there are many of them, because, oh, by the way, the Angels had a huge win last night. Let's mm-hmm. say they find a way to sweep the Yankees in this series, a big if. Which, but possible. So they do. Then, then what happens? So yeah. then the better they play, the more the trade possibility diminishes. But to me, one of the most one of the most difficult things to wrap our minds around right now is this blister issue that he's going through mm. and, and how little he's pitched. You look at the last, like, 20 days, I think he's thrown 10 innings. Right. And that's, that's not enough. Now, he, oh, by the way, he might hit 60 home runs this season, so <laughs> we, we know we have an idea of what that's worth. But if one of the most important things that he does, which is pitch, if all of a sudden that becomes problematic, then how do you value that? I, I think a lot of teams are going to want, be watching his next start whenever it happens, hopefully later on, later on this week, to see what this blister issue is. Because we've all seen it, and Kevin can speak to this. Sometimes when you get a guy with a blister, it bothers him for six weeks. Yeah. And six weeks from now, we're in September. So there's, when you're talking about a small sample size, and I get it. Someone might say, well, John, you're talking about the last two starts of someone who's one of the elite talents in the world. Well, of course, it's, it's a small sample size. But this is a small sample size trade. It's not a right. 10-year deal. It's a, two and a, it's a two-month deal. And, and I think that's why he's so special with everything that he does. But if half of what he does is attached to a question mark right now, I have no idea what a fair market value is. Yeah, I, I, I talked to somebody in this organization about Shohei Otani, not about whether or not they were interested in, interested in him or anything like that. But uh, the point I made was thinking back to that game where he did develop the blister, how many trade deadline acquisitions could you have where the dude develops a blister but still hits in that game and hits a home run? I mean, it, it's like, but and then this person kind of touched on what you did and his point was okay i i get it but he said here's the thing if you trade for this guy and john you're right it's a short-term trade you don't want shohei otani to not be able to make those two starts because you are going to have to do a lot of work with your rotation to 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 accommodate this guy and his point was secondly if you're shohei otani and you are about to become a free agent. Look, we know what happens when dudes pitch with with blisters. It can create it can cr- create an issue sure. for you mechanically. Right. Oh, absolutely. Are you yeah. going, you know, are you going to risk some type of short-term arm injury? So there's I mean, there's a there's a ton of stuff going on here. Right. No, you're right. And, and I think a couple things that, that that you raised there that that I want to touch on. The a couple things the, the circumstance where the Mets have been mentioned as a possibility for Otani, maybe not now, but in the wintertime, guys, in their present constitution, I don't see how that works. Mm. Because, Jeff, as you point out, on the day that you acquire Otani, you have a six-man rotation yep. just because of how you have to utilize him. Well, how's that going to work when the Mets have often given Senga an extra day Verlander and Scherzer are 40 years old, and they need a little bit extra rest. 
you, you can't let everybody get an extra rest. That's not, it's just not, it's mm-hmm. not really how it works. I mean, you have to, there are certain guys that are going to have to be able to be consistent for you in terms of how often they start. And if you start layering in Shoei on top of a rotation with a lot of guys that say, yeah, I can only do this day or that, I have to have an additional day here, that's not really going to fly here. So I. I oh, boy, he's on a roll, too. He had hit his stride. sound. Ooh. Wow. We haven't heard that in a while. No, we haven't. Dropped calls are the bane of my existence. Are they really? Not really. It happens. Yeah, I don't care. Uh, but and and one he was one, on a roll. Though. One thing. Well, we know one thing. We know about John. He won't miss a beat. He won't miss a beat. Mm-mm. He'll come back and he'll uh, he'll he'll be good to go. But I mean, again, this gets this whole thing with Shohei Otani. It's just the the the. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know what he is, but I don't know how to place a value on that. Let's, uh, John. Thanks for your patience. Please continue yeah. your thoughts about uh, yeah. about so, Shohei. Right. The, the other thought I have, and, and this is where I think it's going to be so interesting. I realize it's, it's a short term trade, but it's going to be a forever link. And this is where teams that we don't often talk about of being the most aggressive on a deadline deal the Rays, the Orioles, the Reds, any number of teams that are just kind of emerging. Let's say Otani wins the World Series in your uniform. Let's say Otani hits 60 home runs, which, by the way, he's on pace to do, in your uniform. And on the front page of every newspaper in Japan Mm. for weeks and weeks and weeks, it's the logo of the Baltimore Orioles. It's the logo of the Tampa Bay Rays. It's the logo of the Cincinnati Reds, who for a long time never had a Japanese player. I was going to say, never mind the signage in your ballpark that you are going to to get. Exactly, It's a franchise changer, and not just for now. I mean, think about, to your point, and Jeff and Kevin, you, you know what this ballpark is like for years. Think about what Seattle became thanks Ooh. to Ichiro mm-hmm. and, and how many people have visited that ballpark because he played there. Uh, it's, it's one of the coolest parts about Japanese culture and Japanese baseball, the way that the history is so revered. If Shohei becomes a part of your history for these two months, and I don't expect him to sign with Baltimore for the long term or Tampa necessarily, but if it's for two months or three months, when you think about October, that can change your franchise forever. JP, what what if you're just looking for a hitter? Say you're the Yankees. <laughs> say you're Seattle. Say you're the Jays, and you're just looking for the hitter. You think they'd kick the can on that? Maybe you don't need him as a pitcher, I, I, right? I, I think so, Kevin. And it's a, it's a fair question. I, I think for the Jays, I don't know candidly if they have yeah. the high level prospects to make this deal work for him. To be honest with you, I think at this stage. If, you know, if all of a sudden there's, you know, again, you look at the big picture, they're a team that, that, that maybe as you look at the way they're constructed, and again, it would have to hurt with a, maybe even like a young major leaguer that ends up going in the deal. If, if, if the Angels say, hey, we want someone who's controllable for longer than Shohei, we want your shortstop. Mm. I, I mean, like, they, they may yep. say that. Sure. And, and that's <laughs> where I, I, the, the Jays just can't do that. Uh what would you suggest or who would you suggest would be a trade partner for the Jays at the deadline? Great you know, question. I've been uh, look, 
I know there's a stuff out there about, about Marcus Stroman. I'm kind of more interested in Cody Bellinger, frankly, if I'm the Jays, because I do think I need an, an I think I need an impactful middle of the order bat. But then, John, the team that I keep, I, I kind of keep gravitating towards is the St. Louis Cardinals. The St. Louis Cardinals, yeah. they got three. I mean, I'm not talking Goldschmidt and Arenado. They got three guys that a lot of teams would take and put in their starting lineup. Three, three oh, outfielders, yeah. three everyday players. What, what do you see the Jays? Who do you see the Jays matching up with? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I, I do think that there's a a really natural fit there with the Cardinals because of how many position players they've got. I, I do think that they want close to the majors, almost ready pitching, mm-hmm. which, which the Jays have <clears> some <throat> of. Um, and I think that, it's interesting that the Cardinals have talked about, and John Mozalak said this a couple of days ago, they have to really reevaluate how they have looked at pitchers for a long time. Right. And, and they, may, they may look at uh, maybe their, their perception of the Jays' system is better than what, than what the industry as, as a whole has said. And I think the Jays do have some younger pitching sort of at the double-A level and below mm-hmm. that the Jays, I know internally, are excited about. And so I think it maybe won't be the most obvious fit in terms of what St. Louis would be asking back. But I do think that the Cardinals have what the Jays are looking for. It's balance. It's maybe some left-handed power still. You know, and one team I would mention, too, and we talked, I know the three of us talked right around the deadline last year when we were in studio together about the Tigers. And the Tigers still have, I know it was a different GM for the Tigers then, uh, but remember, we, the three of us talked about Foley and Lang. Guess mm-hmm. what? They're still there. And, and I think Michael Lorenzen is a potential uh, starter reliever. I, again, maybe not what the Jays need as much because Michael is still more of a starter. But I, I do think the Jays need some bullpen. Uh, they need some, some lefty bats, maybe a Kerry Carpenter, who I think will have a high price tag because he's controllable in Detroit. But I think that's one name to watch for the, for the Tigers. But I, I think that, you know, Bellinger – makes more sense to me than Carpenter because uh, Bellinger is a rental. Carpenter is controllable, so the price is going to be higher, whereas Bellinger, I think that we all believe that, um, that, that he is likely to be moved. And I think with Stroman, th- there is a lot of interest in, in the story and, and, and would he be received quite the same way coming back. Let's be honest. You know, the three of us can talk about how Marcus left and what it was like then. But basically, nobody on the active roster has a recollection of that. Like yeah. they don't, they don't care. Right? They, they really do not care. That was that's like ancient history. Mm. So, however, however controversial things happened uh, as as Marcus got to the end of his tenure in Toronto, I would say has almost zero relevance. I mean, at the end of the day, a couple things that, I, that I'll always remember about Marcus in Toronto: number one, he took the ball; number two, he helped give this team competitive credibility at a time where they really were, were searching for that. And, and he's been durable and he pitched a magnificent game against Baltimore in the, in the, in the wild card game when, when everything was on the line. So for me, uh, I, I see more reasons to, to say yes than no when it comes to Stroman going back to Toronto. JP, two teams for me. What do the Padres do and what do the Yankees do? Yeah. Wow. Uh, so the Padres, I, I, I spoke with someone about them earlier today. I, I think, and obviously I know there's a lot of interest with, with them being in town now. I mean, I feel like they are still in, in buy mode nominally. Um, I, I don't think that they're going to trade Soto 
now, unless they totally stumble in the next 10 days. Um, I do think that Snell or Hayter become a bit more realistic. I think they want to try to find a way to add some offense, if anything. Uh, they just haven't hit in the way that we thought they were going to. Like the second half of their lineup just has not shown up in the way that we expect. They've had to make some roster moves, including today, just trying to shake things up. So I, I just think that their, their offensive concerns uh, at the moment are just so significant that, um, that they, for now, Kevin, they're saying that they are still in buy mode, but I, I do think that they may move guys like Snell and Hayter when it becomes clear that they're just not going to be an especially competitive team in, in the playoffs. Now with the Yankees, goodness. <laughs> um, I mean, so they, they fired their hitting coach. They hired Sean Casey. Clearly, the, the Yankees, they've had some years in which they've actually pivoted. I mean, really the one outlier year when they became the sellers when they traded Chapman and they ended up getting, um, they ended up getting Glaber Torres that, and also Andrew Miller that year. It, it doesn't feel like to me that they're in, in full-on sell mode. Rodon is just going to make his third start this week. Um, goodness, I, I, I just, as, as bad as things have been, they're still hoping that Judge comes back. I, I just think that, that this is not the year to take things apart. And candidly, I'm not even sure what that would look like if they did. I mean, who would they trade Clay Holmes? I, I just, I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. I think position player wise, their, their guys are either not performing or clearly a part of the future. You know, LeMahieu's had a down year. Donaldson's hurt again. The outfield, they gave Hicks away and he's playing better now. Baltimore <laughs> uh, Bader's been hurt. I, I don't, I don't know who you give up. Uh, I mean, Rizzo, probably not. I, I, I just think that this team, um, it might not be their year, but I just don't see a path for them to be sellers in a really meaningful way. They, they may just end up being stuck because there's just no really good options in front of them right now. Yeah. Tell you, I got a scenario rumbling around in my head. I Uh-oh. mentioned it to Barker earlier today. How about Mark? It. How about Marcus Stroman joining the Orioles? Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. yeah. I think that heads would explode to me, in Jeff. Toronto. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That, that's actually pretty true. Uh, and, and as you know, I, I mean, just think about this, by the way, Marcus would have zero issue walking into Rogers center as, I mean, oh think about all no. the energy that, I mean, he would, he would love that. I mean, the only thing that would be better <laughs> than the only thing better than Stroman pitching in a playoff game for the Jays at Rogers Center would be him in a visiting uniform at Rogers Center in a playoff game. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the theater of it all, like, I, I think it would be great. Um, hey, man, he was great in the World Baseball Classic again. I mean, he may have his detractors at different times in his career. He has never backed down from a big game. No, and I've nope. always loved that about him. Absolutely, Absolutely not. And, uh, you know, his, he, he, his teammates, his teammates seem to – I mean, his teammates seem to like him. You know, the best ability anybody has is availability. And and one thing about Marcus, yeah. God love him, man. He'll take the ball. He'll take the ball, and you're gonna get you're gonna get five really good innings out of him. Maybe more. Uh, quite often more. John, thanks for doing this, man. Yeah. As always, travel safely. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it, guys. I can't wait. I'll I'll, I'll phone in from uh, as the week goes along for my travels to see Shohei tomorrow night in Anaheim, and then. Cooperstown with a couple J's this weekend. Mr. Roland, Mr. McGriff should be a lot of fun. Awesome. Should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks, man. Be well. See you. All the best. You too. Thanks. John Paul Morosi of the MLB Network. And uh, yeah, Cooperstown, this uh, Hall of Fame is this weekend.
pretty big deal uh, for Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland. Uh, we've been giving you the chance to win Blue Jays. You like that Stroman and Baltimore thing, don't you? Imagine Marcus Stroman coming into the Rogers Center with the Orioles. I mean, look, the Orioles, it's a perfect dude for them. It's a perfect pickup for the Orioles. Give me, uh, other than Shohei Otani, which starting pitcher would you rather have if you're the Orioles? Because you got a team that, you don't have a lot of dudes with big track records in big games. You know Stroman's got swag. Yeah. You know, again, he's going to take the ball. They, and, may, they may need two they Stromans. Could. They may need yeah. two Stromans. Yeah. They may need two Stromans. Yeah. Uh, we've been giving you a chance to win Blue Jays tickets all season long here on Blair and Barker, whether you listen to the radio or on our podcast. All you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily baseball trivia question to 59590. Yesterday's trivia question and answer was, who is the father of Fernando Tatis Jr.? No, actually, yesterday's trivia question and answer was this Padres pitcher was dominant for his only season in San Diego before signing a seven-year deal with the Dodgers name. It was Kevin Brown, the one pitcher that still gives Kevin Barker nightmares. Today's question is to win tickets to see the Jays and Padres down at the Rogers Center on July 20th. Before returning in 2020, the Padres had missed the postseason for 13 consecutive seasons. Who was the team's manager in 2006, the last season before their playoff drought began? Text the answer to 59590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. I would have gotten this one. I know you're going to get this one. He's one of your guys. He's everybody's guy. Again, before returning in 2020, the pods had missed the postseason for 13 consecutive years. Who was the team's manager in 2006, the last season before their playoff drought began? Biggest hat in baseball. It is indeed. <laughs> Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. See rules yeah. at sportsnet.ca slash 590. The old question was, what would you rather have, $10,000 or this dude's head full of loonies? That was the question. That uh, was always asked about this guy. Uh, uh, ben Wagner. Never asked that. Think about it. Ben Wagner is uh, our Blue Jays play-by-play voice on Sportsnet 590. The fan, he'll have the call of the game tonight, 707 first pitch. It's a Manoa Fest. Alec Manoa against oh. Joe Musgrove. Ben Wagner, he is the radio voice of the Blue Jays. He is at the ballpark. And Ben Wagner will join us in a few minutes. <laughs> After I realized that, I just pooched the clock. Yeah. So, Kevin, say something. Say something for 30 I seconds. Sh- uh, say I- something about, uh, no, Morosi's, uh, kidding aside, Morosi's take about the Blue Jays and, and the Tigers relievers, actually. We did talk about that a lot last year, and I know you're a big fan of Alec Lang. Yeah, look, I, I, I think it'll be easier, like you said yesterday, I believe you said it yesterday, it'll be easier for them to get a pitcher than it would be get a impactful bat. Like, yeah. I, I just don't know how you're going to mix it around I mean, it depends with the on guys the, that they already I, have. I like the Brian. To get enough playing time for an impactful I like the Brian, Where's it, where's it I going? like the Brian Cashman. Again, if I can get Cody Bellinger, I make it work. Who'd you rather have? Uh, who'd you rather have inning third? Bellinger, Belt, or Varsho? Is that Varsho? realistic, you think? I think it is. Why not? Because well, you know, the Mariners need the exact same thing, and the Yankees need the, the exact same thing. That's why. Like, it's not, there, there's a market for uh-huh. him with other teams that are trying to do the same thing the Jays are trying to right. do. So the Jays. So it's, I'm not saying. Ross I'm not Atkins, saying not Kevin Barker says don't make any deals. Just don't do anything. Ben Wagner's our Blue Jays. Ben Wagner's our Blue Jays radio play-by-play voice. He'll join us. 2023. <laughs> he'll join. He'll join. He'll join us next. As Blair. Shut up. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fans. Sportsnet 360. Wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with Ailish Forfar and Justin Cuthbert. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stretch drive. We are just uh, 37 minutes away, Kevin Barker, from the first pitch. Manoa Fest, Alec Manoa against Joe Musgrove at the Rogers Center. The uh, second start for Alec Manoa since his return from minor league purgatory. Ben Wagner is a... What? It's true. God, you guys, it's bad enough when I screw up. Now I got the... Now I got the dudes who are the brains of the operation back there. Is Wagner there? Almost. Mm. Did you just drop this on up at the last minute? Anyhow, look at Poffo's looking at me like he's got that look. Uh, boy, this is really going well today. Uh, ben Wagner will join us in a few minutes. I'm blaming you, Barker. Uh, you brought some bad, brought some bad karma in here today when you sprayed Stop. that sex Stop panther five. stuff around. <laughs> those Stop of you don't five. know, those of you, you don't, don't, for those of you who don't know, Barker sprays cologne around the room before the show starts. You stink, and it's sex. And I, had to, I had to kill the smell. <laughs> let's bring in, uh, let's bring in Ben Wagner. Yeah, thanks for doing this, Ben. How you doing, man? <laughs> yeah, thanks I'm for good, walking into you- that. Uh, yeah, I don't know where to go from here, guys. Well, that's all right. Join the club because uh, I have no idea. Well, I have a good idea where Kevin can go. But Arelvis uh, um, Martinez, explain oh, this to me. Yeah. Uh-huh. Explain this move to me. To get him from double A AA to triple A? Yeah. Like, like just... It, 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 because it, of course, as soon as that happens, everybody goes, "Oh, he's going to be," you know, he's being uh, he's being showcased for a trade, which I mean, that's not necessarily true. I mean, you can showcase a dude, and hell, you can showcase him in the minor league complex if you want. I mean, it's not like uh, it, it, it's not like you have to be. A, it's not like you're pr- being promoted to AAA is the last step before being traded. As some people think it is, but I'm just wondering what the Jays thoughts are in in this regard well talking from some to some people from within the organization and and i took a similar approach and say you know why now what have you seen over the last month and a half two months with Aurelvis martinez the power has always been there Mm -hmm. what hasn't been there is plate discipline and he seems to find himself in a much better position with an approach at the plate where he is making better decisions with his swings and now it's just time to see what they've got the timing, of course, will set up some alarm bells. Addison Barger has been injured. He's been very inconsistent this season down at AAA. Or Elvis Martinez is another guy that's in the pecking order to play at third base. And the Blue Jays find themselves in a position where they might lose their third baseman mm-hmm. in the big leagues. So I think knowing what you've got and giving the runway, and let's remember where we are in the calendar on top of, yes, the trade deadline, is that is the overarching spotlight in conversations about Major League Baseball right now. But in the lower levels, when you get into the minors, it's also the time of year where you raise the prospects, give the reward to the players that are playing better it's in true. the lower rungs to challenge them then at the higher level. 
Uh, it, it's a little bit different than it has been pre-pandemic where now the minor league season is a little bit longer and coincides with the major league season with more games in September, not just the playoffs. But I think this is a good challenge to see where they're at with Aurelvis Martinez because he, regardless of where Buffalo plays moving forward and how many home runs he hits moving forward, they want to see how he performs at, at the higher level and facing better pitching. Uh, Alec Manoa has had 10 days between starts. Big deal or no big deal? Uh, it is a big deal, uh, one, because that is a huge gap in between starts. But the soft landing spot was Detroit. That was just a nice way to get him out there. He did multiple up-downs in a lengthy bullpen. I believe it was over the weekend. Friday. Yeah, Friday. Okay, Friday it was. I'm trying to get my days lined back yeah. up here because of the off day. Today is Tuesday. One day. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Thank you very much, Kevin. You're welcome. Uh, so they had the multiple up-downs at his bullpen session, which was pseudo a light load day for Alec Manoa. It gets him back on track, and it also gives the Blue Jays, what did our eyes tell us, what did the data tell us, and how is Alec Manoa moving on the mound? Is he able to replicate that moving forward? Uh, it didn't have the pressure of going immediately into another start. I think that was an important step of just take a step back for Alec Manoa, take the breather, and get ready for the start today against the Padres. In my mind, the Padres start was always going to happen. Mm -hmm. It was always going to happen for Alec Manoa. It was just nice that he could get the tune-up in Detroit, have another side session, and then find himself in the big leagues against the San Diego Padres. A uh, bigger pitch for him, shape on the slider or two-seamer location arm side? For me, it's the fastball. Yeah, it has it has to be the fastball for me. I know that he hits guys when he is trying to establish himself on the inside part of the plate. He misses arm side a lot. That's fine, but can he continue to pound the zone with a good two seamer and keep himself in the zone? Because everything in my mind builds off of the fastball command. Yep, and when you can take the fastball. Why do you even have to worry about the slider the way that Alec Manoa's slider moves? And misses the zone a lot. Mm -hmm. So by keeping him in and keeping batters ready for a fastball and hunting it, I think it makes the slider that more, in fact, that more effective. Ben, what's your read on what the plans might be for Kevin Gossman? Let, let, let's assume that uh, you know everything goes according to Hoyle with Kevin Gossman. When do you think he makes his next start? I think Kevin Gosman will make his next start in Los Angeles. Okay. That's where I think he's going to make his next start. He's got a very, very important bullpen tomorrow here at Rogers Center. And just reading the tea leaves around the ball club today, while he came in on the off day, played catch, got a good ramp up, had a good workout in, he continues to trend the right way. There is certainly an abundance of caution around Kevin Gosman and how this thing lines up. Uh, tomorrow's bullpen, I think, will be the best indicator, clearly. But I just get the sense that Los Angeles will be the spot for Kevin Gosman to jump back in this rotation. Ben, any concern about Eric Swanson? Just the velocity, the location, the late movement on a split finger, the load, like all that. Is there any concern with him? For me, it starts with the load. Yeah. So, And you're tracking a guy that is throwing more often, frequently, within given windows. And 
ratcheting up to more appearances than his body has ever had to endure. And when he is on the mound, they're very important outings for Eric Swanson. So is there concern? Certainly. And where does it start? It's the usage. If they could get him just a little bit more time in between outings and a breather here or there, and that has multiple layers into it, right? You don't want as many tight games. And usually if you're playing a lot of tight games, it also means you're winning a lot. So you want your high leverage guys ready to go. And unfortunately for Eric Swanson, nobody could forecast George Romano getting locked up on the mound in the All-Star game. So that has made Eric Swanson's appearances right away out of the All-Star break that much more important for the Toronto Blue Jays. But certainly, this is a guy that the Blue Jays wanted to lean on in the back half of the season. They want his stuff the crispest. If they can find him breathers and just have red days around Eric Swanson, they are certainly going to do that. Ben, we're going to let you run. Yep. Rest the pipes. Thanks for doing this, man. I'll see you down Way in the park. Way to go, buddy. Good job. All right. Thank you, guys. Take Talk care. You later. Ben Wagner, he'll have the call of the game at 7.07. That's interesting about Kevin Gossman. That doesn't exactly sound like free and easy. Away we go. I guess you have to be. He's missed starts. Like it's not. Yeah, there, there's a concern. Right. Like it's not one start. And you know you they didn't push him got, back. They yeah, made, they like, missed you know, the start. Yeah, it's okay. He missed the start. No, it's not that. Like it's a it's a big deal now. Like they're and he's a big deal to them in mm. August and September. I mean, you don't have him. Knock on wood. I mean, yeah. I I don't even want to think that. So they're they're. I, I This is what I think. I think everybody else around him pitching the way they are has helped them do this. Mm-hmm. And having Ryu being the way he's been in the minor leagues and can come back sooner than later, you got a little time here that you can, you know, let him figure it out. And, you know, now they're, they're winning games they're supposed to win, which I think is a big deal. Yeah. Um, man, it really makes Jose Barrios's uh, – Return to form, huge. No no question. Yeah. And just looking at the way this thing sets up, this series sets up, Manoa, Manoa Barrios, Bassett. Um, Bassett's found the sinker again, which is a yeah. big deal for him. I mean, when he's elite, he's got the sinker and the cutter. When he's really good, it's the sinker. He's locating that. He can elevate it. He can throw it to both hitters. And it's a plethora of all that change in speeds and different breaks. And he seems to be in a little bit better tempo and the fastball is really good. 416-413-3959 is the back leg line. Uh, your chance to leave questions, comments, observations for Kevin Barker. I uh, want to throw this out before we go to the back leg line, by the way. John Schneider, with a win tonight, will record his 100th win as Blue Jays manager. That'll be 100 wins in 169 games. That will be the fewest games managed. To win 100 games by a Blue Jays manager, Tuxedo Gaston, 171. Do you think games. the people that don't like John, and there's, there's a few of them, reading that stat out loud would change their mind? No. I mean, I, well, oh, no, I mean, listen, people. There's, there's for whatever reason, some hate for John. Well, I don't know about hate. Listen, there you, is. You know what? Until he manages a postseason win. I mean, a lot of that's, that's luck and not that. his fault. Like, know, let's but, be honest. But I, I know, but that's. I mean, that's. You know he what, took though? the blame for what happened in the playoffs, but let's be honest. Yeah. Okay. Well, we, like, let's not lie about it. Yeah. But, but <laughs> my point is, if you tell people that this is the year we go to the playoffs, this is the year we win the playoff, we win a playoff round. 
this is the year that we have a shot at the World Series and you don't do it. People look for someone to blame. The two people to blame, like, uh, blame are the, the general manager. They the man- blame Vladdy. Yeah, blame George Springer for doesn't a slow that way. Blame the GM for not having yeah. a, a cleanup hitter. There's something, I mean, about, there's something about this city, of, man. There's something yeah, about yeah, this yeah, city. They focus he, on the manager and the general manager. He's an easy target. 416-413-3959, Michael in Maine. I've got a trade proposal for you. And I'm doing this for two reasons. One, because Jeff absolutely loves it. You're welcome, Parker. And two, because it's fun. Um, So here's what I got. The Blue Jays send Matt Chapman, Mitch White, and prospects Leo Jimenez, Elvis Martinez, and Adam Klopfenstein to the Cardinals for Nolan Arenado and Jordan Montgomery. Here's here's why I'm thinking this. Nolan solves their third base dilemma next year and is that right-handed bat in the middle of the lineup that the Jays desperately need. Montgomery is a depth starter in case Manoa implodes or other injuries, and he essentially would be a rental. And the beauty is that Leo Jimenez is on the top 40, um, is on the 40-man roster, so that opens up a spot for the Jays to add bench pieces or move up someone within their minor leagues. Uh, other than the eye rolls, love to hear your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Oh, you had, at, you had me at you had me you had me at Mitch White. <laughs> Thanks, man. You had I, me at Mitch White. How how do, how do you eye roll that? I didn't eye roll it. I I love it. Well, yeah, it would never happen. I, I mean, I, I mean, I'm but not. I, I that's I'm not I, certain you're. I'm not. I mean, I mean, you're getting a future Hall of Famer who's got and, no trade clause. But again, no trade clauses well, can would be. Would you rather stay on a team that that stinks or come to? a team in the American you League East to prove yourself as a Hall of Famer. No, and you're a rent producer. I, every, everything, everything, you hear from no, everything you hear from Nolan Arenado's, he does not want to leave St. Louis. Um, uh, it's like a security blanket. That's a big it's banana. Like, like banana Rocky. It's, you know, you, you're forgotten. Oh, you can go not, out there and sort of be whatever and – you don't really have to answer for anything. Yeah, it's uh, sort of, that's sort of what it is. Yeah, I would yeah, say yeah. I would say that the Cardinals probably have more cachet than the Rockies. Ah, uh, yeah, but mm. okay. I'm I'm just saying, and you know, I, I would also say this: if you're Nolan Arenado, you want to win, regardless of how bad the Cardinals are. You're in the Central. You can go from last to first in that division in a freaking heartbeat. May not be the case. Yeah, they're like thirteen games under five hundred. May not be the like case. Miracles in, happen, but well, I'm not saying this year. I'm saying next year. Go, uh, no, I'm saying next year. Who's got a better? Who's got a better shot at winning their division next year and going to the playoffs? The Cardinals or the Jays? Next the Bre- year, the Brewers. Dumb. <laughs> Adam in Vancouver. Hey guys, love the show. I was wondering still um, what you thought. Yeah, you screwed about, up. Today. So last year uh, there was a lot of talk about the team being too right-handed. The lineup. Would yeah. you prefer last year's lineup or this year's oh, lineup? Oh, I like guys. this question. I like this question, Adam. I I would. This is I my like answer. This. I would like to have Teoscar Hernandez hitting cleanup for the Toronto Blue Jays. Lourdes, yeah, you look. Uh, Lourdes, for me, is not going to move the needle. I, I, I like rather, the I like the defense in left field. I'm okay with that. Yep. But DHing Teoscar Hernandez, <laughs> not seeing him in right field. Oh, are you kidding me? Like that just yeah. I'm, oh man. I I, I will say I mean, this. that power don't grow on trees. If you <laughs> gave me Teoscar Hernandez back, oh. and I had to send Eric Swanson back. And I had this lineup. I'd still make the Guriel Moreno, but but now all of a sudden I got Teoscar Hernandez. I just Dalt Varsho just play good defense for me and hit seventh, eighth, or ninth. Yeah, I'd I'd take I'd like that lineup. Now Eric Swanson's been really good. I Eric mean, he's Swanson's had some been good, but my um, he's but talking I, about lineup. But I'm with you now. 
last year's lineup. Uh, it's one guy. For me, it's one guy. Yeah, and it's you know guy. what? Well, it's not just that. It's the the last year's outfield defense was not good. Yeah, we're not talking about def- what the lineup. Well, the, the lineup DH. is flip your DHs. No belt. But then you're talking about Oscar in there. That's it. Well, okay, that's fine. But that's not last year's lineup. Also had Guriel in it. Like he's saying last year's lineup, right? I mean, I would take Teoscar back. I'm not arguing that. Teoscar could come back and be my DH tonight. I, I, I would have no problem with that. Um, and no, I, at the time when they traded Teoscar Hernandez, I didn't mind it because I thought there was something else coming, something else other than Dalton Varsho. Uh, that wasn't the case. We did say where's the 25 and 80 coming from. You, my friend right to the left of me, to the right of on your TV screen, Mr. Barker, said the day the deal was made when everybody was saying, oh, good, there's going to be culture change. No more home run jacket. It's going to be like a hockey team now. Everybody's going to be tough and get along and everything's good and the clubhouse dynamic's going to change and all this is great. They're going to be more mature. We're not going to have those idiots running around with the home run jacket. Oh, it's going to be great. Barker was the one saying, eh, 25 and 80 does not come around. I'll, Still does it. I'll give you credit for that. Still does it. I'll give you credit for that. Yeah, I'd take Tosca back. Oh, in yeah, a heartbeat. You know, oh. And then look, we, we've been standing behind the batting cage when he is not paying attention and hitting balls in the third deck in right center field. Yeah, he's that got... That does not... It is grown man He's got... Power. He's got... Yeah, oh, it is like... Sick opposite field. Dude. Yeah. Like, there's nobody on this team that is even... Close to that. No. It is crazy. So, absolutely. Go to one more call. Paul Love in Toronto. To Paul. One more call. Paul. I'm wondering if uh, the rumors about um, Cruz uh, being picked up um, have any merit to them. I mean, obviously, uh, this is a down year for him. But when you look at his numbers, they're not that bad. And I've got to imagine it could pick, pick him up pretty uh, cheaply. And he's the kind of guy I think that, hey, in the past, at least, has excelled under pressure. Um, as a hitter, uh, and that's all he would be. He would be a hitter, uh, a pinch hitter, um, and maybe uh, occasionally a um, a DH. Let me know what you think. Cheers. I mean, look. Uh, yeah, he's talking ben, about Nelson Cruz. Uh, yeah, Ben Nicholson. Yeah, yeah. Ben Nicholson. Ben Nicholson Smith reported it, so there's interest. I mean, Ben doesn't make it up. Ben doesn't make it up. Um, so yeah, I would. It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, again, I, mean, I guess do, we get into the whole worse. culture thing. They could do worse. Uh, it, it, yeah, they could do worse oh, absolutely. as a, as a, would he be, would you platoon him with belt as your DH kind of go, does that answer your question now? Are you happy with Springer Bichette, Nelson Cruz, Vladdy? I mean, Chapman? just saying his name out loud is okay. now, now if I'm an opposing pitcher, I got to think about him. Really? Still? Absolutely. He can have, he, he can, he can, I mean, still, I'm not, listen, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm not saying ambush, it, but... whatever he's looking for All and right. do damage in the eighth inning with two outs and get a big hit. You're not asking him to get three hits. You're asking him to get a big hit. Would you rather a dude walk or get a big hit? I would I would rather have a guy. Cody Bellinger. Yeah. No, Perfect no, no, scenario. Let fin- no, let me finish. Let me finish. I would rather have a guy that I can count on giving me two or three at-bats every day. I don't know if I want Nelson Cruz, Brandon Belt, and Alejandro Kirk 
on the base, anywhere around each other on the base paths. That's an awfully slow group. I've got three guys whose best position is DH. I think that's unworkable. I don't yeah, know where I'm not they, sure Nelson Cruz I, and Brandon Belt would be in the lineup at the same I, time. I, no, so but I'm not but, talking but, about that. No, but again, well, okay. They're both yeah, DH. You can't. You can't. You can't have them in the lineup at the same time. You, well, you hamstring yourself with Nelson. So who's Nelson Cruz? Whose spot is he going to take? He Kevin can't play. He, he can't play a. He can't play a position. But it's the twenty fifth, twenty sixth guy. You're bringing him off experience in September. I mean, this is what the 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 Orioles are all talking about, right? You you need to have a guy or guys who have been there, done it before, because you have talent everywhere. They got Blue a dude, Jays have talent. Got a dude at the this top. Is, of, they got a dude at the top of the order who's been there and done it. Brandon Belt's won multiple World Series. I, I don't know. I think Brandon Belt's won more World Series than than Cruz, has he not? Well, I mean, you're. I, I'm just. I, I'm. I'm just saying. I have no problem with it. But Ben, that's Cruz, Belt, and Kirk. The slow dudes yeah, off think, the bench. I don't think it would happen. But if it happened, you're coming on here yelling, screaming about it happening. If he's going to be the 25th, I mean, 20th, it can't be the only piece you're you're doing. But I'd rather have. But, I'd rather I have more. I'd rather have Kevin Biggio than him. Because at least I got somebody, can, Kevin, can play second base and can play multiple outfield positions. Yeah, that's fair, too. Uh, I mean, Nelson Cruz can't play in the field, and I've already got a guy in Brandon Belt who can only play one position. I've got another guy in Alejandro Kirk who, you know, it is, a, is, is basically a black hole offensively right now, but a decent catch. I just can't, I can't have a bunch of old slow guys in the team or slow guys that I have to pinch run for every time. I just can't. I, I again, if, if, if they make a bunch of moves and a couple of guys are moved and then you need Nelson Cruz, you're bringing him as a bat off the bench. I'm okay with that. But, man, I got to have I got to have guys that have some utility. I got to have guys that can play multiple positions. That's all I've heard about from this organization for the past three years. Now, all of a sudden, you're giving me a guy in Brandon. Prevention, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, sure, you, said I'm not that. sure you've talked me out of it, but oh, I, listen, you, you made a good argument. Dude's a... He he's the boomstick. I'm not coming on air and saying oh, I don't like well, him sounded, getting Nelson Cruz. Like you, well, you just I'm did just, it. You just did it. I, I'm saying that it, it, that can't be the only move, and it 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 hamstrings me. It prevents me from doing a bunch of things. I'll, I don't know I'll who spot you, he's going to take. That. I'll give you that. I don't know who spot he's going to take. Can't believe that you said you'd rather have Kevin Biggio. Well, he plays. Why, at least I, yeah, I can stick him in yeah, left field. All, I can stick him in right field. Oh, I can stick him at second of, base. I can stick him sudden, at first because he's standing a little straighter up and down at no. the plate, hitting velocity. No, you like he twenty six guy. No, two months ago you didn't want him anywhere near the Blue Jays, but he's better now. Hey, well, duh. Uh, there you well, go. That, that there does you happen. Go. Guys get better now. How about that? Give it a little time because it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a marathon. Hey, yeah. it's amazing how that works. Uh, hmm. So, we've got uh, the boomstick coming. Boomstick coming. Uh, we didn't. I, I actually didn't ask you about the uh, Ben's Ben's point about uh, Ben Wagner's point about Aurelius Martinez is well made. Actually, you are you focusing this year, but this is around the time where you do start rewarding guys for whatever you feel you need. They need to be rewarded for in the minors. 
Um, and well, you have had Edwin and Victor down having conversations. I'm sure they relayed great point. messages to organizations point. saying, really mentally, good now point. he's getting that foot down. He can lay off that breaking ball early in the count. He can ambush. He can hit the elevated fastball. Don't let the average fool you. He can do things offensively. He's hitting the slider from a righty to right center. I'm sure they've relayed that message. Now yeah. let's see him do it. To somebody who can set you up, and they talk That's about the difference. Triple A and Double A. Ben also made a point about swing decisions, and we know this organization. We've had people on telling us they every day they've got a chart throughout the organization of swing decisions made by different players, and they grade it out. And those are things that don't always manifest themselves in the in the stats at the minor league level. So I mean, why not? They are going to need a third baseman next year. We know that. <laughs> Anyhow, 707. We're just uh, a couple of minutes away from first pitch. Ben Wagner will have the call. The pods are in town. Padres and Blue Jays, first of three. Mr. Barker and myself will be doing Blue Jays talk tonight, provided we don't kill each other before uh, then. How about you? How about going to break this time? How much better it was? It was much Learn better. from your mistakes, from correct it. I'm trying to uh, I'm trying to adapt. I'm trying to make in-game that adjustments. Too. I'm trying to make in-show adjustments. That's it for us. We'll be back tomorrow.